Rise and shine. What is good, black people? I hope everybody's having a wonderful Saturday morning. Today, we are going to be talking about something concerning the pro-black trend, as you can see in the title. Um, One of my Instagram, I won't say followers, but somebody that I associate with on Instagram asked me this question last week when I did a Q&A, and I was telling people to ask me questions that I could do for a YouTube video. And one of the people that I associate with, and I've been knowing her for years, she asked me, uh, why am I not pro-black anymore? And why don't I follow as many pro-black pages as I used to back in the day? And so on and so forth. But for the most part, she asked me, why am, why am I no longer pro-black? Why don't I identify with this uh, term uh, that is, I don't know, it's like something that most black people who co-signed to black excellence and black nationalism and all this other type of stuff right so i am not going to put this in any particular order because i'm going to be all over the place and most of the things for the reasons of why i no longer associate with this particular term um they all go hand in hand and i've talked about this over time um but last year was more brutal than the other years because I officially stopped identifying with being pro-black 2020. Um, I stopped identifying publicly with the term pro-black back in 2017 because before 2017, from what I've seen, um, or before 2016, I should say, um, pro-black was new. Uh, nobody was really calling themselves pro-black and all this other type of stuff. Um, so when the the media got a hold of this term being pro-black and black excellence, um, black celebrities started to really use this to their advantage. So now people like Beyonce is pro-black. P. Diddy, Jay-Z um, are pro-black. Tro uh, Trevor Noah is pro-black. Oprah Winfrey is pro-black. Kamala Harris can be considered pro-black at this point. Um, just so many people. Um, that aren't pro-black and don't uh, they're not positive representatives for black people um, these people are considered pro-black just because they wore a kente cloth at some particular event or they did a Black Panther uh, Black Panther tribute at a Super Bowl you know it's just certain things where celebrities can get off the hook and can be identified as being some form of a leader or representative for black people. And I have a big issue with that. Um, and, and I told myself that if people can easily uh, easily classify as being pro-black with no principles, um, nothing to follow that up, um, then all, all of this is, is for show. All of this is for show. And it, it brought me to the conclusion that I can't, identify as something such as being pro-black if the congregate uh, the congregation or the body of that particular concept is uh hypocritical you know so there are three reasons why i no longer identify with being pro-black i don't know if y'all can hear that there's a lot of airplanes like flying <laughs> like they flying like every five minutes i don't know what they're doing 
Um, the same thing was happening last week. Uh, not last week, yesterday. But um, there are three particular reasons. I'm not going to put this in any type of order, so I'm just going to tell you because I'm just going to be all over the place with uh, these particular reasons. So, number one that I put, the first thing that I put down was uh, being pro-black is a trend. Um, the second thing that I put is uh, being pro-black is commercialized. And the, the last thing that I put is that being pro-black is uh, there are wrong motives for why people are pro-black. So these are the three things that I put down. So let's start with the first one. Um, being pro-black is a social trend. There is nothing. Uh, there's nothing. Uh, I don't know what the word I could use. There's just nothing positive about calling yourself pro-black. Um, you you look stupid as a black man or woman to classify as being pro-black. You have the Asians, you have the Arabs, you have the Mexicans, you have the Italians. None of these people classify as being pro-Mexican, pro-Asian, pro-Italian, or pro-whatever pro it is that their nationality or their ethnicity is. We are the only people that want to classify as being pro-black. Due to this victimhood that we have been uh, conditioned under to where even though we have been brought up to hate ourselves, you know, I will not disclose that. But with that being said, we also have to consider that when we are getting back to ourselves and having a knowledge of self, we shouldn't have a term for that. If you get what I'm saying, when we have a knowledge of self and we start to self-preserve, we're getting back in tune with our roots. We're getting back in tune with who we are. And with that being said, that should just be classified as being normal. That should be classified as getting back in tune with nature, getting back in tune with who we are, rather than just to say that oh, we're, we're practicing black excellence or we're doing it for the culture or, or we're being pro-black. Being pro-black should be identified as being uh, one, in, one in one with nature. Because everything in nature self-preserves itself. Everything in nature is, is for themselves before anybody else. So when a black person says that he, he wants to build a nation for his people, or he wants his people to be protected or represented fairly, um, when a black person says that they want to do for themselves this is every this is every bit of uh truth to a wolf this is every bit of truth to particular animals in the animal kingdom wherever you go about you will see animals that will practice self-preservation and nationalism and whatever the case may be so in this same example um in this case being pro-black from what I've from what I've studied before it became commercialized, being pro-black is when you are um, not only race first, but you are in alignment with the principles that it takes to build a nation um, and to unify and to mobilize as well. Now, with all of that being said, what started to happen was that later on down the line, going on to 2016, 2017, People started to say that you cannot be pro-black and be 
uh, captivated by certain ideologies or living certain lifestyles. Though that may be true, um, it began to really go into the depths of people's lifestyles in terms of how they believe and what God they believe in. So they will say that you can't be conscious or pro-black and you're a Christian. You can't be conscious or pro-black and be a Muslim. You can't be conscious or pro-black and be a, a Hebrew Israelite um, and so on and so forth. And so this just kept going on and on and on. And then when it began to become commercialized by the media, they started to say you can't be pro-black and, and say that you aren't uh, an advocate for the LGBT XYZ UNITY community. They'll say that you can't be pro-black and uh, not be a representative of your LGBT blood brothers and sisters. Like they'll they'll go they'll go that far. You can't be pro-black and, and not say that you uh, don't love trans black women. Like they'll they'll go to those extents where they have to include uh, Eurocentric ideologies um, into the particular concept of things that can uh, if if. I guess you could say advantage or uh, exceed the black struggle, as they call it. And we get back to that victimization again, where we love to be considered a set of people that are still struggling to to get back on the top when we was on the top to begin with. And if we just focus on us instead of focusing on what other people have to say about us or what other people are doing to us, we can get farther. Nonetheless, right? Nonetheless, um, when we're dealing with being pro-black, it's, it's a trend. It's a slang. It's a hashtag. Um, I don't take people seriously nowadays when people say that they're pro-black because anybody can be pro-black. You can you can be Kiki Palmer. Kiki Palmer will say that she's pro-black, but just now, just recently, she, she's out here out and about with her white boyfriend, her, her white zaddy. Um, as Tariq Nasheed would say, <laughs> um, and that's not pro-black, but people will argue with you and say you could be pro-black and be with people of, of other races. How is that even possible? Because if you are pro-black, everything about you should advocate for you being black. The people that you hang around with, the, the, the people that you choose to date, the people that you choose to have sex with, all of that should reflect who you are. And here comes the train. I'm, <laughs> I just chose the wrong time to do a podcast. You know, all this sound, there, there must be something out there universally uh, that just does not want me to put out this message. <laughs> but that is that is not going to stop me. Um, but as I was saying, like, you have black people out here who will argue with you. And here comes a plane. Goodness gracious a lot. Um... <laughs> There are you, you will have black people out here who will literally tell you and they'll argue with you and complain with you and go back and forth with you that you can be pro-black and be within a Latina girl. You know, you have black men out here who will say you can be pro-black and be with a Latina girl. You have black women out here who will say you can be pro-black and be with a white boy. You can be with an Asian boy. You can be with a Latina boy. You have these Negroes out here who will say that you can uh, be with whoever you quote unquote love. You know, which we can deal with that subject at another time. But they will tell you that you can be with whoever you quote unquote live and be pro black. You can't talk black and sleep white. You cannot. 
and, and excuse my language right here, but you cannot, as a black woman, talk about the liberation for black people and you got white dick in your mouth. You cannot be a black man talking about the liberation of black women and black men and black children and you got white pussy in your mouth. You you sticking your dick up in, in white pussy. It just it does not work out. It's an oxymoron. It's an oxymoron. That's like a particular pastor that is a representative of a church and he speaks about uh how God is against homosexuality and gay marriage. But when you go back home, you you with your your partner, you with you, you with another man. It does not it just does not add up. It does not work that way. So you cannot be a representative for black people. You cannot be a representative for the liberation of black people or the ideologies for black people. And yet you are sleeping hand in hand with your oppressor. You're sleeping hand in hand with your enemy. You're sleeping hand in hand with somebody who doesn't reflect you or your ideologies. I don't care how how nice they are. I don't care how how cool they may be. How how well you're connected with them. I find it very funny that you have a lot of black people that feel like they can connect with other races of people before they can connect with their own. That is a huge red flag. That like you really gonna have to deal with a lot with yourself. Because how can you as a black person feel that you can uh, relate and connect with people who do not reflect you or look like you? That is a that is the number one way that you know that you still have self-hatred in your heart. That you are still dealing with self-hatred. I remember I had this one black woman um, and she tried to she, like she, she really tried. She tried her best to try to tell me that uh, when black women or, or excuse me, I'm, I'm going to put it this way. When black men are with white women, they do it out of self-hate and in envy. But when black women date white men, they do it for love. And she tried her best up and down to try and tell me that black men date outside of their race for envy, for jealousy, for self-hatred. But black women date outside their race because they're tired of black men and they want to find love and they want to be happy. I was like the buffoonery. What feminist told you that buffoonery? I, I really want to know. Like, what what advocate of the of the Black Lives Matter movement told you that? Who who from the Me Too movement told you that? Because that that does not make sense, and that is beyond me. So, getting back to the original topic at hand, being pro black is is a trend. It's commercialized um, at that as well. Because you have these people um, and what I was just mentioning, the, the Black Lives Matter movement, these particular uh, people and not to mention that they are an advocate of the LGBTQXYZ, UNITY community. Um, the co-founders of this community, of this movement are queer. They're homosexual. And on top of that, their movement is funded by a Jew, George Soros. And with that being said, this, this movement gains their funds and gains their advantage off of the death and the, the massacre and the genocide of black people, which is the, the number one disrespect. It's, it's the most disrespectful thing that you can do to a set of people 
to uh, to receive your benefits off of the death of black people. We're talking about using hashtags and putting them on shirts, putting them on hats, putting them on uh, other type of merchandise, using the last words of people who have died. I can't breathe. Hands up. Don't shoot. And and they use this and commercialize this and put this on shirts and put this on hats and think it's cute. I mean, literally, I saw um, with the woman NBA, I believe the, the woman NBA that they had a whole set of black women um, around the time when George George Soros, uh, excuse me, not George Soros, George Floyd, um, when whenever I was doing all the protests and stuff like that, and you had these whole set of, of black women on, at the women's NBA wearing shirts with holes in them. I'm like, that is the most disrespectful thing you can ever do. I wish I would die. And, and and the ancestors forbid it. But I wish I would be killed by by the police and a set of people would would in and, and to honor me, they would wear shirts with holes in them. That's like people walking around with crosses around their neck to to honor uh Jesus Christ. But Jesus died on the cross. You wouldn't wear uh the bullet around your neck of whoever killed your your brother or your cousin or your sister because that that's just insane why would you want to be reminded of that so why why do we commercialize our trauma why why do you <laughs> well why would you wear whole shirts to to represent the brutality that your people go through that does not make sense to me that is insane and, and people love it. They love to wear the hands up, don't shoot, I can't breathe, put it in their bios and everything. I mean, people out here really was, was blacking out their uh, their accounts. Like, just, just having straight black screens to honor the death. Like, that represents death. To to black out your screen. To, black, to, to have posters that just have black. That represents death. I'm not saying black... In itself represents death, but to have a black screen that represents shutdown, lights out. Because when somebody dies, the first thing that they are going to be captivated with is darkness. Their eyes are closed. But people don't see this. They don't see the symbolism in this blackout too. The nerve. And and people are captivated by this. They love this. They love and and don't get me started on, on Breonna Taylor. Do not get me started on Breonna Taylor. I mean, we're talking about black people who made this trend for three months on Twitter. Arrest the cops that killed Breonna Taylor. We're talking about artists making songs. Arrest the cops that killed Breonna Taylor. Arrest, and we, we are making this into a trend. We're making it into a catchphrase. The most disrespectful thing you could ever do to somebody. We're talking about uh, Ahmaud Arbery who was, who was killed. By by two rednecks in my hometown, ironically, in my hometown, and black people, what they wanted to do was to run for our of uh, to to run for our mid. That's what black people wanted to do. They didn't want to get justice. They didn't want to do whatever it took to to change their condition. 
we we are gonna run for Ahmad. I'm I'm botching his name. I apologize. Um, Ahmad. We're gonna run for Ahmad Aubrey. That's what we're gonna do. We're gonna run for Ahmad Aubrey. We're not gonna we're not gonna change our conditions. We're not gonna do whatever it takes or whatever is necessary to really get to where we need to be. We're gonna run for Ahmad Aubrey. And that's what we've been doing. My my distant cousin on my mother's side, Trayvon Martin, he dies at the hands of uh, a Mexican. We could call him a white supremacist. And black people didn't want to change their condition. We wanted to pout and complain and sing our Negro spirituals. And, and on top of that, we wanted to make it into a trend where we started to wear hoodies, putting Skittles in our pocket. Hands up, don't shoot. We're talking about when George Floyd died. You had the masses upon masses. And you can probably look it up. But you had people, masses upon masses, people doing marches. Talking about, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. Oh, I can't breathe. People falling out and, and laying down straight on, on, on talking about blocks on top of blocks. People just laying down on, on the streets just screaming, I can't breathe. Stupid. Just stupid. How how disrespectful and how much of an idiot do you have to be to do something like that? Not changing your condition. And, and this is worse. I, I would consider you laying down on the floor for hours upon hours singing, I can't breathe, chanting, I can't breathe. That's worse than, than what people did back in the 60s, singing Negro spirituals. We shall overcome. We shall overcome. We shall overcome someday. And you know what's worse? They were singing this hand in hand with other white people. I mean, really, like they were having marches upon marches back in the 60s and, and no different than today. You, you have these marches and these protests with white people who... For the most part, nine out of ten of the time, they organize these protests and these marches. How are you going to have your own oppressor, the people who at least resemble your oppressor? And these are the people who are organizing your not only your movements, but your protests, the environments in which you can speak and have a voice, per se. You know what I'm saying? Not wanting to change their condition, but they, they want to be in these marches and these protests to feel like that they are doing something and they're not doing a damn thing. And then on top of that, right, they'll, they'll go in right with the voting. You want to change your condition? Go out there and vote. You want to change your conditions as black people? We have the power in our vote. Knowing goddamn well the people that you have to choose to vote for. And I and I put emphasis or, or quotes around uh the power and to choose because for one you're not the one that's really choosing who's in office and two um there's no power behind voting because you really think that as a set of people who have been uh brutalized and oppressed in this society that they are going to give you the power to change your condition in their system by infiltrating their system quote unquote by voting democracy as they call it give me a break please negro please but getting back to the actual issue at hand 
they will commercialize the death of black people. You have organizations that really strive off of the death. And it seems like death is the only thing that can bring black people together. I mean, when's the last time you've seen your family? And I'm, I'm not speaking for everybody, but for most black people, they don't come together unless somebody dies in the family. An uncle, grandmother, a mother, great-grandmother, great-grandfather, grandfather, auntie, cousin, sister, brother. Nobody comes together unless it's death. Not only just in the families, but you see this with black people. We don't want to come together um, on on an annual or, or, excuse me, on a weekly basis to try and change our conditions. This is annually. This is a seasonal thing. It's, it's, it happens every summer or before the fall comes and, and another black person uh, death is, is trending. We don't worry about black on black. We don't worry about how we treat one another when it's not the death of, of our people at the hands of another set of people. But whenever that happens, well, we, we need to come together and we, we, we need to, this needs to stop. And, but you, you won't forgive your brother across the street because he looked at you the wrong way. You won't forgive your sister across the street because maybe she had a little attitude and she talked to you the wrong way. And I'm not saying that you should uh, tolerate disrespect. But I'm just saying that you have to know what's at stake and who's your supreme enemy. And lastly, our motives are wrong. Most black people, when they say that they're pro-black, they're not pro-black because they actually want to see the change. You have some people who actually will say, you know, I want black people to strive. I want black people to be uh, back on the top. But for the most part, black people are pro-black so that they can feel better. Not so that they can actually receive a knowledge of self, but so that they can, ooh, excuse me, so that they can feel better. You have black people that are pro-black because this is a form of ejaculation. This is something that they can escape from uh, in terms of the actual issues at hand. A lot of people have the wrong motives when it comes to being pro-black. The very wrong motives. And it was like what I was talking about before. A lot of black people, we can agree that pro-black, uh, or excuse me, that police brutality is evil. We can, we can agree that uh, the system needs to be taken down, whatever the case may be. But how you go about it, your motives... Are in the wrong. You could say, man, it's wrong what the system is doing. Man, bump the system. But your motives, man, I just love everybody, man. I just want everybody to come together. Those that's your motive. See, we, we don't think on one accord. We can chant, we can sing on one accord, we can dance on one accord, but we don't think on one accord. Our ideologies are all different, left and right. And I'm not talking about what you personally believe. I'm talking about how you critically believe, how you critically think, your philosophies, your concepts, the way you go about life. Most black people, when they say that they're pro-black, they'll tell you pro-black isn't anti-white. 
and still they are seeking the validation of their oppressor. It's a sad case. But you know, never say never. We may get out of this condition in my lifetime. We may not. I don't personally think that we're going to get out of this predicament in my lifetime. It may take my grandson or my great-grandson's time for this to happen. But in my lifetime, no. <laughs> no, this is just, I have seen too much to even consider. But, like I said, never say never. Who knows what's going to happen in the next shoot, in the next 5 to 10 years. You know what I'm saying? Things could just turn around just like that. But until next time, I'm Tyrone. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Hopefully you got something out of this. Um, I'm sorry that I made this for particularly so long. Um, I just wanted to make this into like 15, 20 minutes, but it ended up being 30 minutes as usual. <laughs> um, but hopefully you got something out of this. Um, I mean, if, if you like these long 30 minute, uh, 35 minute podcasts, you know, and, and some some topics will be that long. You know what I'm saying? But if you like these, you know, let me know. Um, you know, you can DM me and all this other good stuff. But until next time, I'm trying to thank you for listening to this podcast. Share this podcast with other people. Until next time, I'm Tyrone. And I am out.